Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,437. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm just a little north of Gig Harbor on beautiful Bainbridge Island, Washington, with a very special guest by the name of Nigel Tunnicliffe. Nigel, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Happy to be here. Let's uh, let's drop that clutch. Absolutely. Uh, it's fun to talk to uh, pretty much a neighbor because you live up in a beautiful place just a little ways north of me. I've got a bunch of friends up there uh, who live on Bainbridge Island. It's a spectacular place. And you're kind of new to the neighborhood, right? You've only been there a year? That's right. Yeah, I, uh, I came up here from Northern California. Okay, there you go. Another California escapee. Yeah. Did that about 30 years ago, so <laughs> I understand. Well, before we... Um, give you a proper introduction. We talk about a very important topic and the business that you're running, which I'm so happy to have you share. What's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you, Nigel? Sure. What most people know about Coastline is that we are uh, teaching teenagers predominantly with a fleet of hundreds of Toyota Corollas. Um, But my own personal journey as an automotive enthusiast uh, led me to build a, a Miata track car. Uh, and so most people don't associate that with uh, teaching teenagers to drive for the first time, but that's been my toy car. Well, fun. And uh, those cars are great on the track. And I think one of the most important aspects of what you've done is keeping the speed on the racetrack and not on the roadways, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, as a, as a, a younger person without easy access to uh, driving on a track, you know, you can feel that need for speed, uh, so to speak. Yep. And so by, uh, you know, building a, a car, which the, just the, the building of it was was half the fun and being able to kind of take that energy to the track, which is uh, a, a very safe way to uh, kind of experience that. It completely removed any of my uh, desire to drive quickly on the road. In fact, uh, it made me uh, much more of a cautious, careful driver, knowing what actually being in a fast car feels like. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a uh, wonderful raceway, Pacific Raceway, just... uh North of Tacoma, up, there, up on the road, and Don mm-hmm. Kitch, who's run that raceway forever, had a program, and both my kids went to it. It was a evasive driving school for young people, and you brought them and their car to the racetrack, and they put them through a series of driving exercises and courses on rapid deceleration, braking, dropping mm-hmm. tires off the road, all this stuff, and it was a huge confidence builder for both my kids and then bmw did a driving school up here as well they kind of go around the country and both the kids went to that so um yeah it's i always say take your kids not to go racing at the track it's to go learn driving skills right Mm -hmm. exactly yeah there's a reason they call it high performance driving education uh because what you're doing is is learning the limits of your car and learning how to slow down the driving in your mind as you as you pick up the speed on the track and uh, that all translates really nicely to um, to driving more safely on the road. 
really does. Yeah. A lot of things I've learned, I used to race vintage cars and uh, a lot of those things I learned have helped me when perhaps we get into a little more icy conditions, which it's getting mm-hmm. colder around here and we get lots of rain. So hydroplaning and that car control and not to do real quick action. So uh, tremendous. Love it. Well, let me introduce you properly here. Nigel Tonicliffe is the co-founder and CEO of Coastline Academy, a next generation driving school on a mission to end all car crashes. And that's quite a mission. In just six years, Nigel bootstrapped the company from a small startup into the largest driving school in the country and the sixth fastest growing education company in America, according to Inc. Dot com. Bravo. Nigel studied as a Skoll Scholar at the Said Business School at the University of Oxford and has founded numerous successful tech companies. A proponent of combining modern technology with rigorous standards for instructors, Nigel has used his passionate commitment to driver safety to architect the company and change the way that we think about driving education. To date, Coastline has provided top quality education to over 100,000 driving students across 500 plus cities with its DMV approved courses and lets us received 55,000 five-star reviews. I am so excited to bring to my listeners what you're doing because it's so important for safety of young people and possible older people they might hit if they're not driving carefully. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, first, a word from our sponsors, so please give them a little listen and we'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up way up. But my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around. I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Hey, guess what? Some of you regular listeners will remember back in 2019, I created uh, 10, 11 shows called Cars Yeah TV, where I went to some fabulous locations of past Cars Yeah guests, and we did a TV show about it. Well, they're up on the Cars Yeah YouTube channel. So go check it out at YouTube. Just type in Cars Yeah, and the shows will be there for you to enjoy. I hope you have fun watching. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So, Nigel, we are back. 
There's a couple things I want to talk about today, but the first one being for a guy who's created some tech companies, sounds like you did a major pivot into an entirely different area here. What gave you the thought to get into this business of teaching young people and probably some older people how to be safer drivers? You know, we never set out to start a driving school. Uh, so I worked with my co-founder, Matt, for a number of years before we uh, left uh, the, the company that we were both at to start Coastline. And our mission with Coastline was to eradicate car crashes. And the, the way that we thought we were going to do that in the first generation of the business was building a, uh, a high-tech, deep learning, sort of AI-based hardware product that would install on older vehicles to make them safer. Um, sort of adding this sort of modern uh, lane departure warnings, adaptive cruise control, braking warnings, that kind of thing. So, so we, were, we actually set out to build sort of a deep tech company. But what we did along the way as we were sort of building that product, you know, we made this cool prototype. I had it running on the Miata, which was kind of a fun uh, test bed. But along the way, uh, you know, it was really important for us to be building something that was actually important in people's lives, not just making a product and raising a bunch of venture capital. And so we were interviewing hundreds of users at the time, mostly new drivers who we thought were, who were going to be the, the main uh, customer of this product. And what we learned from that interview process was that these people weren't going to buy this thing we were making. Well, <laughs> that's, a a good, that's a good thing to learn before you start making a lot of those things, right? Exactly. You know, I'm so grateful that we learned that so early. But I'll tell you, at the time, it was pretty disappointing because, yeah. uh, you know, uh, we had just quit our jobs. Uh, I had a three-year-old in the house. And, you know, we thought we were on this one path and uh, and we had to we had to change course. Why do you think that was? What did you discover about that? Because one of the things I was going to mention was that we hear these stories that younger people these days aren't as interested in driving. Not like me. When I turned 16, I was at the DMV at 7 a.m. waiting mm -hmm. and I was the first guy in line. Couldn't wait yep. to get my, all my friends were that way. But it seems like Driving is less and less interesting to young, some young people these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the thing that we learned about this product in particular is that automotive aftermarket is really difficult. So for an enthusiast to, uh, to sort of seek out an automotive aftermarket product and install it in their car, it's kind of a no-brainer. But for your typical driver, they want to just leave the car as it is. Hey, maybe you're going to put some new tires on it, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. get the oil changed, but you're not going to uh, seek out a product that is going to change how the car functions. And so that's one of the things we learned in this in this process, uh, more so than anything. But, but as for, you know, new drivers kind of delaying, you know, their their the process of getting their license, you know, I was like you, I, I got my. I got my uh, learner's permit on my 16th birthday, really excited to do so. You know, although the trend is for that to be less common now, um, we still see a lot of folks coming through on their 16th birthday or um, in California where, where we have our largest operation when, uh, when they turn 15 and a half. But, you know, I, I think a big part of it is ready alternatives. You know, it's, it's easy to take Uber, whereas, you know, when we were kids, you're, yeah, you're riding exist. your bike, you're taking the bus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think part of the, the reluctance to put that application on vehicles is because they perceived it as 
not an enhancement like a you know a lot of young uh, you probably were like me i mean first thing i did was buy new wheels and mm-hmm. better stereo system and you know tint the windows and pinstripes and all this stuff do, do they see that more as a safety device because people don't really like to buy safety stuff until it's too late right yeah yeah so so again with the enthusiast you know a, a, a sort of a new driver who's uh, you know an enthusiast they might be doing their performance upgrades, right, of which this wouldn't be considered one. What we were thinking was that the the parents would want to spend the money on something like this to install in their hand-me-down vehicle uh, or the older car that they're, um, you know, maybe helping their son or daughter buy uh, because those older cars don't have the same safety features. And um, what we found was that parents and teens would respond positively to the idea but when we put it in front of them to say, all right, here it is, buy it. <laughs> you know, by now, the interest wasn't there. In fact, we, we gave some of these um, so early prototypes to, and, and sort of very, very early versions out. And some people just didn't even install it, you know. And, um, and so that told us, hey, you know what, this isn't, this isn't a core problem we are solving in somebody's life. We need to figure out what that core problem really was. And through all these user interviews and and, and uh, really understanding sort of the journey of the new driver, uh, initially through the lens of this first product we were making, that's when we uncovered this the, the sort of the challenges of of driving education and learning to drive with the available options that folks had. Well, you and I had a nice little chat before we uh, started the show here today about the uh, not so stellar driving education system in this country and. When I was in the 70s, the athletics coach taught us how to drive. Three kids would jump in a car. We'd go out for an hour. He would yell at you because you didn't know what you're doing. He didn't know how to teach you. And in the case of my car, one of the young women in the car, we drove by her house. She goes, that's my house. And as she turned to look at her house, she looked right at the mailbox and drove right over it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like the old, your car goes where your eyes go, right? Don't, uh-huh. or the bicycle, don't look at the tree, you'll run right into it. And then my kids, they had to t- go to an actual ac- so-called accredited driving school. And I shared this with you. My daughter said, today in driving school, the instructor had his drive through a drive through He bought a pizza and he sat in the back seat and ate it while we took turns, hit the other girl and my daughter driving. Mm-hmm. And I just went, seriously? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that is something we heard over and over again is um, just this sort of lack of professionalism brought to driving education, you know, driving through the drive through doing errands during the lesson. And, you know, in in most states, there's a a state mandated number of lessons that you need to take. It's usually around six hours. And how long does it take to learn to drive? Well, you're not going to learn to drive in six hours, right? It's going to, it takes dozens and dozens of hours. And so um, usually you only get six hours of professional driving education and the rest is with your parents or, or another adult. Um, and so if, if you are the instructor and you are going and doing personal errands or doing the drive through or whatever, what you're doing is you're taking away from that student the valuable minutes from the, those six hours that they're going to have with a professional instructor and the only six hours they'll probably get through their entire life. Yeah. And so every time we heard these stories, we're just like, that is bananas. You know, why would somebody do that? This doesn't make any sense. Um, and we so we dug into it to try to find, okay, what is the root cause of this sort of 
system-wide lack of professionalism. And of course, not to say that all uh, schools are like this. There are some really phenomenal schools out there, um, but they, they are just one location. So if you happen to live in a place where there's this great school, you're in luck. If, you, if you're not, you're not. Yeah. And what we found was, uh, like you said, you know, uh, this, this used to be taught in the high school system. And then around the 90s, um, as, as budgets were getting cut from the school programs, driver's ed was the first to go. So it, it's almost like a new industry in that prior to that, most people who learned to drive did it at school. And then after all of these um, sort of former gym teachers or <laughs> yeah. what have you who Pizza were teaching, eaters. you know, <laughs> yeah, they, they were the ones who were starting the driving schools. Um, in order to, uh, you know, fill the, the, the need here after the programs were cut from the schools. And so it's essentially, um, there are some of those really phenomenal instructors who went on to build great local driving schools and some not so phenomenal. And, uh, and that's what you had to choose from. Um, there's never been a national driving school. And so we looked at that and said, hey, you know what, there's a, there's a real opportunity to build the first national driving school a school that is that meets students where they're at with with technology and, and pro a professional training experience and use kind of national scale to to bring a much higher standard to, to everybody who goes through the program. Well, it's wonderful. Uh, I think it's so needed. And you just look at the propensity of accidents, especially these days with distracted driving, which is the massive, huge problem with so many uh, people getting old and and young, of course. So tell us how Coastline Academy is different. The process, <laughs> what it's like, how are your drivers trained or accredited? What makes you so special? <laughs> yeah, so there's two things that we really focus on. One is total professionalism in every interaction. So what that means is our instructor training, uh, you know, we, we focus on bringing the highest level of professionalism and training so that every one of our instructors is highly capable of, of uh, kind of delivering an exceptional experience uh, from their very first lesson, as well as the uh, customer service, total professionalism, the, the lessons themselves, you know, uh, <laughs> there are no stops at the drive-throughs. <laughs> oh, good. well, that's that. good to know. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. You know, you know, I, I, I just go back to that and I just keep shaking my head. And I guess a part of it is, well, Okay, stuff, you know, who knows what he was trying to do other than fill his face. But yeah, anyway, it just, it still makes my eyes roll in the back of my head. <laughs> and the other thing that we do uh, that's different is, is we, we meet students where they're at. So that means literally uh, we pick up students from homework or school um, because oh. our, our uh, customers, by definition, don't have reliable transportation. And that's actually quite difficult to do at scale because the, the sort of, uh, mapping aspect of it, um, you know, when a, a customer comes to our site, they, they just want to book a lesson, right? And and so they don't want to have to think about different instructor schedules and drive times and traffic and all that. So all of that happens automatically in the back end of our system, such that we can provide uh, driving lessons picked up from homework or school to, to everybody. Well, I think that's tremendous because that's where most people do their driving, 
is from home. You know, they mm-hmm. usually a young driver either goes to school or to work. Um, yeah. That's kind of it. So the fact that they're going to another city, in the case of my kids, they had to go to another town and drive mm-hmm. around in places they were totally unfamiliar. I guess there's some advantages to that because it teaches you the complexities of unfamiliar areas. However, mm-hmm. being able to learn to drive in your own neighborhood, yeah, uh, that's a big plus. Plus, the parents don't have to drive the kids to a place yep. and sit and wait <laughs> and, or go and pick them up. Or That's nice. Uh, so, yeah, that's a that's a big thing that our, our, our customers really appreciate, especially the parents, because, you know, we're saving folks a lot of time. We do uh, support over over text message. So, as you know, <laughs> teenagers don't want to use the phone, right? Uh, yeah. don't, they don't want to be calling somebody, right? So, so um, we provide a, a huge percentage of all of our customer interactions happen over text message. Great. And then, you know, we, we put everything you know, on the phone. It's a mobile first experience. We know that that's where, uh, where our students are spending their time. So all of the driving education courses and such all are, are optimized for your phone. So we're basically, um, you know, we're, we're, we're making this uh, whole experience something that actually fits into the life of sort of today's teenager. What have you found that today's young driver will pay attention to other than getting in a car and physically driving? What other additional attributes to the, the I assume you have like an app, right? That they use? Uh, yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a web app, but it's essentially the same thing, right? So you, you know, that they, they, they go through the course on their phone and it, it looks and feels like an app. You know, I, I think something that's, that's often, uh, um, kind of overlooked when when looking at uh, sort of uh, new drivers is adults, parents, whatever, kind of maybe think that the, that the teen doesn't care. Actually, they really do. Driving is something that makes them nervous. It makes them scared, uncomfortable. It's a really big deal. And, um, and so I have found in, in my experience, and one of the things that really surprised me is, is that although, you know, some of these students are waiting till longer, uh, to, to start learning to drive. It's not because they just don't even think about driving. It's because it really is a big deal and they can put it off because they have alternatives. Mm. Um, but once they start that process, they are super engaged. Um, you know, they're taking the process really seriously and, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to be a teenager and do something that you are really bad at, (laughs) you know, most, most people, by the time they're teenagers, hey, look, if you're if you're going to play volleyball uh, in high school, you probably started many years before and are already pretty good at it, and so now you're getting better. And that's the same thing with a lot of other uh, skills at that point. Right. So when they start learning to drive, they're going to z- going from zero and they know nothing, <laughs> and that's really hard. Um, and so we we really work through that process with our our students so that they can kind of build those skills layer by layer and, and aren't sort of made to feel stupid essentially by being at the very beginning of, of learning something completely new. Well, plus parents are probably, most cases, the worst instructors <laughs> these kids because number one, I mean, kid, teenagers tend to not want to listen to parents telling them what to do. That's just part of the natural separation process of a, that age of trying to 
push away. It's normal. It's human. It's, you know, back when caveman mm-hmm. days, I want to get out of this cave, go out there and chase the tigers, <laughs> right? Uh, it, it's just ingrained in us. But the other piece of this is learning to drive from somebody that not only is, is not their parent, but is trained, skilled, mm-hmm. and practiced and knows how to work with those underlying fears. I saw that in mm-hmm. both my kids, which I... I, looking back, I thought, why didn't I expect this? But we got in the car. Okay, let's go. And they were freaked out. And of course, yeah. when they almost ran into the proverbial mailbox, I was freaked out. Mm-hmm. And then we had a conflict and then I had to calm myself down. And yeah, yep. so this is all good. It's totally natural, right? By the way, you know, that experience, um, because, you know, when, when I step into a car with a, with a new driver, um, that's the beginning of our relationship. Everything that we, all of our communication is built on those first few minutes of us getting to know each other and, and starting to starting to go through the lesson. Whereas when you have an interaction with one of your kids in the car, you have 16 years of, of relationship yeah. that is that this is built on. You know? Now I'm like, going to pull this car over if you don't stop yelling at your sister. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. You know, and I've had students uh, uh, in the car who they're like, wow, you know, you're so calm. My mom or dad, you know, they just yell all the time. And it's like, hey, look, you know what? They, they love you very much. And they're stressed out, too. Yeah, <laughs> this is yeah. hard for them as well. What's, what is the underlying cause of most young people's accidents on American roads? Yeah. So first of all, you know, the, the, the number of, of collisions uh, involving young people is is truly tragic. And, and that is... The reason, you know, we we set out to to build Coastline is to address that fact. And every collision is avoidable by one party or the other. And uh, so when it comes to uh, sort of new drivers on the road, there is so much to think about, you know, and and it's especially easy uh, for a a new driver to get distracted because, you know, as, as somebody who's been driving for decades, you've got a little bit of that autopilot going on. And so although it's, again, it's really dangerous to, to be a sort of distracted driver as an experienced driver, if you're distracted for a moment, you're daydreaming or, or whatever, and something, you know, happens in your peripheral vision, you can snap right back into it and orient yourself more quickly. Whereas for a new driver, uh, they don't have the experience to jump right back in and, and have the instincts on, on how to respond. So, um, you know, there's a lot of research showing how dangerous distracted driving is for, for new drivers. And this comes in a lot of causes. We think first about, uh, about devices, but in, in my experience uh, teaching uh, new drivers, they know how distracting devices are. And they're, you know, uh, at the, in the early days of learning to drive, they're, you know, that phone's going in the glove box or they're, you know, they're, they're not texting and driving. It's all the other distractions, having somebody in the back seat, being, you know, agitated about something that happened with the interaction with a friend earlier that day or, or whatever. All of these things are distractions. And then, of course, once, you know, once they build enough skills that they feel like they've got it, well, that's when the device uh, distraction can be really problematic is, uh, you know, you, you think you've, you've figured out how to drive and you're good. You get your license. All right. Now I'm just going to send this quick message while I'm driving down the road. Yeah. Hugely problematic. Yeah. Now, I would assume these days, I remember back the scare movies that they used to 
<laughs> make us watch. One I remember is called Red Asphalt. And uh-huh. it's just a classic. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I, I would assume we're not doing that anymore. No, I, I think um, I think that is uh, something that, you know, I, I, there, there's a whole era of, of this style of education, the, the um, you know, scaring people into doing something. But, you know, that type of thing, just I don't think it really works. You know, what, what works is proper training, actually learning the skills, understanding at a, at a intellectual level, uh, like what what the sort of cause and effects are. Um, as opposed to seeing sort of the, the the gore of driving fatalities. Absolutely. What would be perhaps a couple practical tips you could provide to a listener out there today who has a up-and-coming young driver who's learning mm-hmm. or they've already got their learner's permit and you're sitting there next to them? What are a couple tips you can offer them that they can take to the wheel or not to the wheel, but to the, to the drive with their young person? Yeah. Well, first of all, um, it really does help to get started earlier. We have uh, a huge number of, of students that come to us in their twenties and, you know, now they're learning to drive for the first time and they don't have the benefit of having their parents to practice with them. Like, like your kids had with you, so they just have to, they have to take way more professional lessons. It's very expensive. And it's also more uncomfortable because they've, they've gone even farther in life before starting. And so that can be a really like kind of even harder step to be taking. Um, so getting started, you know, when they're a teenager, going through the process of, of learning the skills and having all of that practice time, I think really helps. Getting professional education is is totally critical. Most states require it anyway, um, but some don't. And uh, and even in, in the places where it's required, you know, really thinking about that how that time is going to be spent and how you can um, use the, the professional training um, to sort of build on when you're actually practicing with your with your son or daughter. And so choosing a school that has the uh, you know, provides the feedback on how the student is doing, what they should be practicing next, you know, and kind of giving you the, 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 the steps you need to take with your student over the next, you know, few hours of your practice before they go back to their next lesson. Um, that can really, really help that student's progression. And lastly, just taking, taking the extra time, being really patient. I think that's one of the things that uh, um, can be hard for you know, modern parents, the students are so highly scheduled, their teens are so highly scheduled, they've got so many different things going on. Your new driver, they can't really be actual transportation uh, for quite a while, right? So when you are just going to go and go to the grocery store or do that errand or whatever, you can't leave the same 10 minutes to get there if your son or daughter is driving. You know, you need to leave 20 or 30 minutes, take some time in the driveway to orient yourself, take it slow, do a few laps around the block, like just actually look at all of the time that you're, you're, you spend with that new driver as practice time, not, hey, you can, you know, why don't you drive and so I can catch up on an email on my phone. You know, that's probably one of the most important things you've said here, because having that patience can be a challenge. And all of us have these hectic, crazy lives and not slowing down and breathing and taking the time to realize. And and that surprised me when my children started driving was for some reason in my mind, and maybe it's because I, at that point, I had been racing. um, I was 
I felt pretty good as a driver. And I just thought for some reason by osmosis, they just were going to know what to do. I don't know what I was, Mm -hmm. what I was thinking, but, and when they didn't do well, those first drives, I got frustrated. And I remember Mm -hmm. being angry with myself coming back, particularly my son, because we were learning to drive also in a stick shift, a manual car. And it was just very hard for him to figure it out. And I came back and I was so frustrated. And, you know, my wife kind of said, well, this is the first time he's ever done it. What do you expect? You know, and I went, mm-hmm. I don't know. I expect him to be perfect. You know, it's, <laughs> then you had to take a, take a breath and say, listen to yourself, Mark. You're an idiot. Yeah. This is the first time, <laughs> you know, just calm down, relax. And so I went and apologized. I said, let's try this again. And mm-hmm. uh, he said, no, I don't want to do it with you. I'll do it with mom. <laughs> you, know? you blew it, Dad. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I did. But uh, eventually we got there. But uh, yeah, this yeah. is this is all really, really important. How many uh, cities are you guys in now across the United States? Uh, we're in about 500 cities across seven states. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's very, very cool. And I would assume people can learn about you going to coastlineacademy.com? Exactly. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned you have Toyotas. Are those primarily the car that you do your teaching in? We do, yeah. Um, almost our entire fleet are uh, Toyota Corollas. Uh, um, most of those are hybrids, um, although we have some gas ones in the mix as well. We choose that. It's it's a little bit like the, the Southwest Airlines model, you know, uh, just choose one good workhorse vehicle and then... Uh, you know, it makes our job um, sort of maintaining and managing that fleet a little bit easier. Um, but it's also just a great car to learn to drive in. Well, yeah. And Toyota's, what a robust ride, too. I mean, just a great, mm-hmm. great first car for everybody. You know, one of the things I want to ask you about is electric vehicles. Do you have, mm-hmm. you said you had hybrids. Do you planning on having EVs in your fleet at some point? Yeah, we are. Um, so, you know, I've, I've had personally uh, EVs for, for many years. I got a uh, uh, Tesla Model S back in 2014. Okay. Um, wow, and that had, was a while ago. Wow, yeah, you're a first, a first then. adapter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm fully sold on uh, electric vehicles as the future. It's a little bit logistically challenging when we have hundreds of cars across seven states. Yeah. And so, um, you know, part of our uh, focus over the next year is uh, figuring out exactly where um, we're going to deploy our first electric vehicles and how charging is going to work. And, you know, we'll, we'll figure that out with a, with a small test bed of vehicles and just a couple of key locations. And then uh, ultimately, you know, I would expect all of our cars to be electric uh, at some point. Um, it's just, it's just hard to get that really nailed where, you know, when that student is ready for their, their lesson, you don't want to be uh, saying, oh, hey, let's just stop at the, the supercharger here for 25 minutes oh, and, yeah, yeah. No, that... and top this thing up. <laughs> yeah. You know, another thing I wanted to ask you is we talk about distraction and for years now, all the DMVs and the Department of Transportation has been screaming for people to get their devices out of their hands. Now we have, and my I had an experience this summer, I rented a Tesla for the first time. I'd never driven one. Now we have a giant iPad on the dash. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I kind of just was chuckling going, okay, you've been telling us not to look at these devices. And now you put a big one right here. Now I get it. We have a instrument cluster in front of us, but those, those panels, and I'll pick on Tesla, not because I dislike mm-hmm. them or anything. I, I enjoyed the experience of driving one. In fact, I rented one again when we went on another trip uh, last fall is these 
different than just a speedometer, a tachometer, perhaps, you know, whatever else is there in a radio. Now you've got all this stuff mm-hmm. to distract you. I'm just wondering, as somebody who's an expert now in this field, what's your opinion of those things? Yeah, I think Tesla takes it a little too far. I, I think there's they probably have about half as many mechanical uh, uh, inputs that you can do by feel um, than you should really have in uh, in any vehicle. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you one example. Uh, in, in our Model 3, um, to activate the, the windshield wipers, you can do one tap on the stock to, to, to do it once, but if you want to change it to being you know intermittent or speed one, speed two, you've got to open it up within the display. Yeah. And there's a there's a pattern of you know you tap the one button uh, on the stock and then you use the sort of the volume button but you push it to the side and you know that is possible but it's 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 not intuitive and when the rain starts falling on your car and your visibility is down the last thing you want to be doing You're is looking, looking at this screen trying to navigate through the menu to get your windshield wipers going so I think there's a couple of things like that where um, you know I know why they did it right they're pushing the envelope here in terms of having uh, software updates, being able to enable new features and not being sort of bound by the physical buttons. Um, but I think they just they just went a little too far. And so I wouldn't recommend a, a Model 3 for as a, as a new car for, or, as, or as a car for a new driver quite yet. Other than a couple of those little things, I think the display as it is, you know, it, it provides all the same useful information that, you know, a, an old school uh, cluster does. So I, I don't think it's a fundamental problem. I think there's just a just a, an implementation gap where you should be able to do more things without taking your eyes off the road. Well, I would agree. But on the flip side, too, there's some wonderful safety features. When I was driving my Tesla, it was during Car Week in Pebble Beach. There was lots of people out taking, lots of young people mm-hmm. out standing in the roads taking pictures of cars. And I was looking to my left to turn and a young kid backed up in front of me to take a picture of a car, didn't look to see I was there. I started to go and the car stopped and I looked Mm -hmm. up and there's this kid standing there with eyes like a deer going, oh my gosh, you almost ran over me. And I said, well, where'd you come from? (laughs) So the car saved him, saved me too. I mean, that would have been tragic. I wasn't going fast, but still could have hurt him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So lots of uh, all these new features. It's a brave new world. You know, you and I could talk forever and we didn't get into some of the other questions I typically get into, but I just thought this talk was so important for people to know about and what you're doing. I bravo to you guys and your team. It's so important and definitely has saved lives. One thing I do like to ask, though, is there a great book that you might recommend? Maybe are there any good books these days based on driving or is there maybe some other book you'd like to recommend? Yeah, my, my book recommendation is more for uh, the, the the founders and and uh, business leaders out there. Uh, my my favorite business book is Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull, the um, co-founder of Pixar. The reason I think this this book is is so great is is one of the things that really leans into is the the value of feedback and of of ha- building a process of of learning rather than trying to jump to the the final solution. You know, we've we've applied these types of principles all throughout the life of Coastline back to the very early days where, you know, we were just trying to figure out what we were actually going to do. You know, we could have been dogmatic to say, hey, look, we quit our jobs to build this company making this hardware product. We're just going to go do that. But instead, we sort of what we focused more on was building a process to find our way to the right thing. 
I wouldn't change that for anything because we wouldn't have imagined starting a driving school. And now here we are, you know, having built the largest driving school in the country uh, in just a few short years. Wow, it's tremendous. Yeah, that's a great book too, by the way. I love that book. It's been recommended many times here, so I'm glad that you brought that up. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful book. You know, you've taken us on a fun ride today, an educational ride and a safe ride. So we got through it without crashing. So thank you for that. (laughs) I appreciate it. Uh, Would you leave us with perhaps some words of inspiration or wisdom when it comes to either your life and what you're doing or just uh, for people to think about when it comes to uh, teaching young people how to drive safely? Sure. Um, You know, I I think... uh, uh, this applies both to uh, teaching some uh, a, a new driver as well as uh, starting a new business uh, or embarking on anything really is is that um, you know you can't be afraid of failure. Um, every time you do something wrong, you learn something. And so uh, you know as a as a parent uh, teaching a, a new driver, they are going to make mistakes. Let's let them make safe mistakes. And learn from them and you can learn uh, to, to be a better a sort of coach to your new driver and those sort of mistakes as long as you're making new mistakes every time uh, it's gonna it's gonna result in, in uh, you know, becoming a, a great driver and, and same thing with uh, starting a business or, or embarking on anything that's that's completely new is that it's inevitable that you're, you're going to make mistakes along the way it's just just learn from them and, and, and make new mistakes Absolutely. There's a a great saying, and I'm probably going to butcher this a little bit, but uh, I remember listening to Jordan Peterson talk about it with young people is allowing them to do dangerous things safely Mm -hmm. so that they try something new and learn from it. You don't let you let a young kid, well, yeah, just accelerate and see if that what happens when we hit the wall, <laughs> right? Uh, but yeah, I think it applies here. And the other part of it is what I go back to, and it reminds me of uh, the Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi, is uh, wax on, wax off, is practice, practice, mm-hmm. practice, and doing practice of things that will apply to driving in the future. A lot of it came, I learned a lot in racing school about looking, mm-hmm. you know, that, that girl and you might, you know, look at the mailbox, run into the mailbox mm-hmm. is to look where you want to go, not where you don't want to go or focus yeah. on that. So uh, you've taken us on a fun ride today. And again, listeners, you can learn about Coastline Academy at coastlineacademy.com. And I want to do a shout out to uh, Jack Williams at McKenzie Howard Communications who brought us together today. So Jack, thank you very much for bringing Nigel to the show here. Nigel, uh, thank you for being so generous with your time and expertise. Since you're a neighbor up the road, you'll have to come down here to Gig Harbor and we'll have a coffee and talk more about what you're doing. That would be fun. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you safely down the road. Thank you very much, Mark. Really appreciate it. This was great fun. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, It's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program 
documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah! Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!